Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, we are joined by writer, actor, producer Dean Devlin, talking all about his brand new film, Bad Samaritan, due in theaters May 4th. We'll then talk with Casey Walsh from the Geeks Worldwide, all about those upcoming 80s cartoon into film announcements and more. Stand by. We're talking to And if you are listening to us in the greater St. Louis area right now, driving around or at your home on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM, thank you very much for tuning in to geek to me Radio. If you are hearing us at points out there in the world, streaming us via the web, thank you very much for finding us and tuning in. And of course, as always, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Podomatic, we greatly appreciate your subscribing and listening to us there. We're going to jump right in. Uh, Bad Samaritan is a film due out in theaters on May 4th, starring David Tennant and Robert Sheehan. And we had a nice chat with Dean Devlin, the director, writer, producer. We're talking now with writer, producer, director, actor Dean Devlin, who has given us so, so many projects to enjoy over the years. I don't know where to start. We're going to talk mainly about Bad Samaritan, though, which I'm very excited about. Electric Entertainment was kind enough to send me a screener for this. Comes out May the 4th, starring David Tennant and Robert Sheehan. Dean Devlin, thank you very much for being on air with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So this film, uh, my goodness, I I watched it. It's one of those literally kind of makes you uncomfortable in the pit of your stomach in the way good movies are supposed to when you're watching them and they are trying to elicit that feel. Um, what were your thoughts pulling all this together? You're producing, you're directing, uh, you've got Brandon Boyce writing, you've got these stars lined up. What was your initial uh, mindset going into this project? Well, I, I just absolutely loved the script. I mean, it was one of these scripts where I read it all in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. It was a huge page turner. Um, and it was something I've never done before. I mean, everything about it was completely out of my comfort zone, which terrified me, but also was, you know, exciting. So, uh, you know, to, to try to do something completely different than anything I've ever done uh, was a great challenge, and, and uh, I couldn't wait to do it. And we had Jeff Anderson from Legion M on last week talking about the, uh, you know, the, the process of the, of the movie and everything. And he told me to ask you specifically about getting David Tennant for the role. <laughs> well, I'm a giant Doctor Who nerd. And I love Doctor Who, and he's my favorite doctor. And so I really desperately wanted him to do the movie. So we had arranged a Skype call, and he was in London, and I was in Los Angeles. And I'm trying to give the appearance of a sophisticated, clever director. 
And that <laughs> facade lasted about five minutes, and then I started fanboying and asking about the TARDIS and the sonic screwdriver, and um, it, it just deteriorated very quickly until finally I opened my shirt to reveal that I had a Doctor Who t-shirt on, at which point he reminded me that the logo of the t-shirt I had was for the 11th Doctor, and he was the 10th Doctor, and <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing, so I had to take my foot out of my mouth. Uh, but luckily, he, he forgave me, and he agreed to do the movie anyway. Very nice. And with uh, I, I know you're a huge Doctor Who fan because I used to love all the little Doctor Who references you would slip in to leverage, for example, uh, the part where <laughs> they're going through the airport and they're about to get on a plane. They're checking their passports. And Timothy Hutton's character says, let's see, I've got a passport for Baker, McCoy, and Davis, and obviously fifth, sixth, and seventh <laughs> Doctors. Uh, is that is that kind of like your little thing you like to slip into your projects, uh, stuff that you're passionate about? Well, I, I definitely love slipping it in. But to be honest, all the writers that I work with, we're all Doctor Who nerds. So it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know what I, we're going to talk more about Bats Merritt, but I, I've got to ask because I know we always get this question from various fans, especially ones who I uh, told I was going to be talking to you. They want to know, A, are we going to get a leverage movie? I'm sure you're sick of that question, but is there, uh, from where is that standing? Uh, well, eventually I would like to do a leverage movie. Uh, what I am working on now is a movie of the week, and it's not the leverage team, but it is a story that takes place in the leverage universe. So ah. I, I think... I think while the fans won't get everything they want, I, I think that the fans of the show will really enjoy this movie of the week. And it's actually written, being written by one of the writers from Doctor Who, so it should be fun. Oh, nice. And the librarians, I know a lot of people were devastated that that was not renewed for another season by TNT, and you'd indicated on Twitter that you're still trying to find a home for it. Do we have any uh, update on that? The patient is deathly ill. There are life support systems on, but she's not dead yet. <laughs> so Good. I'm still working on it. I still have a couple conversations I'm having, and uh, you know I'm going to stay helpful all the way to the end. Very good. That's what we like to hear. And with Bad Samaritan, you've been promoting this. I, I've caught you on your Periscope on WonderCon, and you're walking around the floor uh, this, this past weekend at Wizard World Portland. It seems like everyone who has been exposed to Bad Samaritan, that you've showed the movie, that you've mentioned it, it's been getting such positive uh, traction. Are you, is that mostly just from, I think, word of mouth, I guess, or are there other aspects in place that you're pursuing besides just social media? Well, you know, this movie has been made completely independently, and we're actually releasing it ourselves into theaters. So there's no studio behind it. There's no big giant machine. And unfortunately, there's not the kind of big ad dollars that, move, that normal movies have. So we've really approached this whole film as as one might, a grassroots political campaign. We're going directly to the people who like genre entertainment, and we're trying to show them enough of the film or the entire film to say, we think that this is worthy of your attention, and if you agree, would you please become ambassadors for us and help us spread the word? And, you know, genre fans are the least pretentious people on the planet, but they're also very particular about what they like and they don't like. And we've been basically doing a road show trying to convince fans that this is worthy of their attention and for the most part it's been a spectacular success and and we've got people online who are promoting the movie and talking about the film um you, you mentioned legion m legion m has so far they've set up 75 meetups for opening weekend and they say they're adding new meetups every single day um 
So I think I think it's going to be if if the movie succeeds, it will be because of the fans. You know, in normal movies, there's all this advertising that says you're going to like this film. This is right. a movie where the fans themselves will get to say to people, "This is our film, and you should see it with us." And do you think with a lot of the bigger budget, uh, the films that have come out that haven't necessarily done as well as the studios, the big studios would hope, and then you see independent films kind of being, I don't want to say more appreciated, but uh, getting more traction as a result, do you think that these independent films, the companies like Legion M, would you say this is kind of like maybe the way the future is starting to trend for movie making? I think it's going to have to. I mean, to me, I'm old enough to remember when the music industry was dying in the 70s, and suddenly in the beginning of the 80s, there was all these little labels that was creating new music, like hip-hop, and it revitalized the entire industry. And I think movie, the movie industry needs this now, because studios have basically decided they only want to hit home runs, they only want to make $250 million giant uh, 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 superhero movies. And while those movies are great, I think the appetite of a genre fan is, is much wider. We want a bigger menu, and there's a whole bunch of films that, for the most part, they aren't really making anymore. And so I think it's going to be up to independent labels like myself or entertainment studios or STX to to fill that gap. And with Bats Meriton being filmed in Portland, uh, also obviously where Leverage and Librarian, you seem to have a great relationship, I assume, with the, the city of Portland. Was that a conscious decision going into filming this that Portland would give me the location? Was that something collaborative between you and Brandon Boyce? Well, the original script was written for Los Angeles. And having worked up in Portland for so long, I explained to Brandon that that the thing about Portland that fits the story so well is that it has all the accoutrements of a giant city. You know, it has the stadiums, it has the buildings, it has the public transportation. But the heart and soul of the city is it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. There are no secrets. And so I said the intimacy of this movie is much more dangerous in a city like Portland than in a city like L.A. where things like this could happen and no one would ever know about it. Right. That's, and that's uh, one of the things, like I said, this, when I watched this, I had that kind of when Robert Sheehan's in the house, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't be in there. Oh, no, don't go to the office. Don't. It's one of those just building this tension slowly um, as a director. Uh, and you've also worn other hats, writer, producer, actor. As a director, though, what do you feel is the best way to kind of build that tension? Is it just is it mostly script based? Is it a certain aspect writing and directing? You know, it all has to come together. You know, you have to have a really good script. You have to be able to shoot the right material. You have to cut it correctly. And everybody has to contribute, whether it's the way my production team designed the murder room, for instance, or the way my cinematographer is, 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 is lighting the scenes, or my camera operator, how he's framing it, uh, the actors, the, the level of, of how, how much they're grounding the characters. I mean, it all has to come together. So, you know, it, it, it's nice to get a lot of praise as the director, but the truth is, you know, I'm driving a big bus, and everybody on this bus is important. And mentioning the cast, too, obviously, we mentioned you've got Robert Sheehan, you've got David Tennant. Uh, just there was not a performance in the cast that I found lacking at all. Carrie Condon, Jacqueline Byers, Carlito Olivero. Uh, what went into the casting of this? What made you uh, pick and choose certain people? Was it uh, a collaborative effort, again, with Brandon Boyce as the writer? Or how did the casting come about? And we'll be back with Dean Devlin's answer to that question about casting. Right after this, stand by.
Hey, I'm Dan Fogler, everybody's favorite muggle, and this is Geek to Me Radio. We are back. This segment brought to you by Marcus Theaters. If you're going to be seeing this movie that Dean Devlin and I have been talking about, Bad Samaritan on May 4th, or if you're going to see Avengers, we are five days out from Avengers, people. Infinity War, probably the biggest movie of the year. Do it in a Marcus Theater. You can check out their website, marcustheaters.com, to get the location closest to you. Check out Showtimes. If you have a friend or someone who's like, well, when I eat when we get there, I'm not sure what to Have them go to the website. They can check out the different menu options at the different establishments they have within the theater. It's really, when I went to movies when I was little, it was a big deal. It was fun. You were you made it an event, and it was exciting. Marcus Theaters is bringing that excitement back. They've got all these uh, different restaurants inside there. You can actually go to the, the arcade. You can kick back in these big, comfy chairs, and you don't have someone you have to worry about kicking your seat during the movie, which is obnoxious. You won't experience that in a Marcus Theater because they've revolutionized the way the theater-going experience is in the St. Louis area, and they're probably doing it in your state. Eleven different states you can find a Marcus Theater. So go to the website. Check it out. You can even buy your tickets for Avengers right there on the website. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Check them out. We're very happy to have them as one of our fine sponsors of geek to me Radio. Right before the break, we were talking with Dean Devlin about the casting for this film, Bad Samaritan, with David Tennant, Robert Sheen, Carrie Condon, and I asked him about the casting process. Here's what Dean had to say. Well, you know, again, by being independent, I had no one I had to answer to when it came to casting. You know, when you're trying to do something in a studio, you start having these weird conversations of who has more Twitter followers or who had a sex tape on the Internet. I mean, things that are completely irrelevant to performance. And this was a chance where I could just say, I want the best actors for these roles. And we were able to go after people that they'd never let me go after at a studio. And I think by doing so, we've populated it with really talented and skilled actors who know their craft, who have experience, and were willing to expose themselves in areas that, you know, a lot of actors won't do. You know, especially, I I give credit to, to Robbie and Carlito, they have moments in this movie that are incredibly embarrassing, you know, where they're incredibly vulnerable and, and cowardly. And, you know, the egos of a lot of actors would never allow them to have moments like that. But I think that these actors who were willing to go to such a deep place of fear made, the, made those moments human and real. And even though the act themselves that they're doing is, is not forgivable, we tend to forgive them because those performances are so realistic. And that, uh, unforgivable, it was very early in the movie, I, was, I found it very hard to root for Robert Sheehan's character because I'm like, this guy is horrible. I don't care if anything. But as the movie progressed, man, that, that feeling turned around so quickly. So huge credit to him for uh, just drawing us in and making us stay with the character and keep going. Also, uh, Carlito Olivero's character, when, when David Tennant finally comes across, and that was just a heartbreaking scene. It's like, no, get out of there. So just, again, you pick, I think, an incredible cast for this film. Well, thanks. You know, I mean, look, we we all have done things that we regret, and we've all made mistakes in our life. You know, to me, the big question is, how do we handle the mistakes that we've made? Do we rationalize our behavior and write it off and excuse it, which to me is the highest act of cowardice? Or do we look it in the eye and say, I cannot let that decision or action define me as a human being, and I've got to do something about it. And I think that's what our actors were able to do. They were able to get to a point where even if they weren't the most likable person in the world, their own sense of integrity could not allow them to become the person who just made that terrible decision. And so they go on this journey to to redeem themselves. And that's really what the movie is about. It's it's a redemption story. 
And again, uh, we're talking about Bad Samaritan, due out in theaters May the 4th. You must see this film. As a producer and a writer, and you're the director as well, you've uh, had your fingers in a lot of pies. You've done a lot of stuff. With the screenplay that Brandon Boyce delivered, did you find yourself wanting to make any changes? We talked about the, the city change, but as far as the uh, the actual breakdown of the plot and overall, were there many changes that needed to be made? Not that many. I mean, you know, I, I loved his script. I think the biggest things were moving it to Portland because that changed a lot of things. And then also because I really wanted Robbie Sheehan to play the part and I wanted him to play the part in his natural accent. I asked for the part to be rewritten as an Irish character. Um, but, you know, Brandon Boyce, our writer, was really a, my partner on this. You know, a lot of times in Hollywood, a script is bought and then other writers are brought in to rewrite and then other writers are brought in to rewrite them and then none of them are invited to the set and then there's all kinds of things that change on the set. This wasn't like that. Brandon was my partner all the way through making this. You know, he he was generous enough to let me see the script before anyone else and, you know, he, he stayed with me through the entire pre-production part. He sat next to me on every day of shooting. He came into the editing room. Uh, uh, he was there when we did our test screenings. So, you know, to me, he's my, he's my partner making this picture. And he's got some great scripts that he's written in the past, too, App Pupil, uh, Wicker Park. And he's working on the new upcoming Venom uh, screenplay, from what I understand. Did he share and, anything with you? And him? he's in the movie. He's, oh, that's, he's yeah. actually an, act, he's an actor in the movie. He actually plays the head of the FBI. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, you know what? Now you say that, I'm embarrassed I didn't catch that. But, yes, you're exactly <laughs> correct, obviously. Um, with him working, I know you're a you're a nerd yourself from uh, you know all, all the stuff I've seen you on Periscope and everything. Did he share with you anything about the Venom story that he's working on? No, he was so focused on this. You know, he he is absolutely obsessed with um, psychopaths and and sociopaths, and he he came armed with all these these psychological uh, 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 textbooks about these people. And through the whole movie, he would sit down with uh, with uh, David Tennant and I, and he would talk about what it's like to not have empathy, to not have the ability to feel, feel guilt over your actions and, you know, what that does to you and how it shapes a person. And it was fascinating. So he, he was a man obsessed as we made this picture. And with David Tennant playing that particular part, um, obviously many, many people know him as the 10th Doctor. He played a great villain in Jessica Jones. But when you, yeah. when you first threw David Tennant's name out there, given Brandon Boyce's uh, proclivity to being obsessed with sociopath was he ever like "Ooh, is that the best choice david Tennant, really oh no he loved it from get-go but but mostly though from Broadchurch and and from uh playing kilgrave you know those were mm -hmm. two such deeply uh, uh intense characters and complex characters that uh yeah brandon jumped all over it when i said we had a chance at david he said what do we got to do who do we got to bribe <laughs> And that was such a, and I know Jeff Anderson from Lee Jim pointed out, uh, he said, this is actually going to be David Tennant's first full feature film. I was kind of surprised by that, but it, uh, I, I guess that must be the, true if Jeff said it. Um, I, I think that is true. You know, he, he's been supporting in a lot of terrific projects, uh, but I, this might be, yeah, I think this might be his first lead. And once again, Bad Samaritan, if you're wanting to catch this movie, you need to do it. You can check out the trailer on YouTube. Uh, you can also follow them on Twitter at Bad Sam Film. This is due out on May 4th, and I cannot stress enough how much everyone needs to get out and see it. Uh, Dean Devlin, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so, so much for being on air with us today, and we look forward to seeing the movie. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And there it is again, at Bad Sam Film on Twitter. Follow that. Check out the updates. If you're a Doctor Who fan, a David Tennant fan, if you're a fan of Robert Sheehan, there's a lot of those out there. Check out this movie and make sure you see it May 4th in theaters. We're going to take our 
Second break, come back talking with Casey Walsh of Geeks Worldwide. Stand by. Hi, this is Dean Devlin, director of Bad Samaritan, and you are listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. If you're just now tuning in and you missed that chat with Dean Devlin, you can always go back and find us on the podcast form. I tried to upload it within about 24 hours. Uh, you can find it on Podomatic, iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud if you missed the live broadcast each week. And this segment brought to you by Historic St. Charles. Discover ST Charles is the website. Always something fun to see and do out there. It's uh, going to be, uh, eventually this weather is going to have to warm up. It's got to happen at some point. June's right around the corner or so it seems. And when that happens, there'll be so many outdoor activities, to paraphrase uh, Will Ferrell's character in uh, in Step Brothers. There's so many activities. You want to get out there, you want a bike, you can rent a bike. If you don't have a bike, you can rent a bike and ride the Katy Trail. You can just go out there and play Frisbee in Frontier Park. All sorts of things to do. And if you're a, a wine enthusiast, they've got some wineries there. If you're a foodie, plenty of places to eat. If you like unique shopping, they got lots of places to shop. That's where I always get my Jelly Babies and Jammy Dodgers from for the upcoming Doctor Who episodes that I want to see. Right there at the English shop, they got sweet shop, they got a spice shop, coffee shops, all sorts of shops. Lots to see and do. Plan your trip now. You can see it all and make a little checklist of what you want to do while you're out there. Discover stcharles.com is the website, and please follow them on Twitter as well, at discoverstc. We are talking right now with Casey Walsh, who's the chief head main man behind Geeks Worldwide. Casey, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, thanks. So we had a lot of these announcements that excited me because everyone knows I'm an 80s junkie. We got people talking about a live-action mask movie. We've got He-Man, the Masters of the Universe movie. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys are hearing, the scuttle behind all these announcements. So, yeah, so both <laughs> both of those movies have been in development for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, both have directors on and off. Um, but, but now, but both seem to be up and running and, and on the right track. Uh, Masters of the Universe is probably going to get a ground-up redo. They must have a, a pretty good script. They, David Goyer, who's doing the Krypton, Krypton show, um, and you may know from the wrote Man of Steel, he was currently working on it before and had a bunch of concept art and stuff that had gotten out um, of his project, but I don't think they'll do any of that. They'll probably start from a ground-up. It's a, it's a duo directing it. Um, I don't know not much about them, the Knee Brother or the Knee uh, directing duo. So, well, it's a uh, it, it'll be an interesting project to see how it comes together and what the what direction they'll do. And I'm sure they'll set it on a uh, uh, great skull, and it'll it'll be all CGI. <laughs> right? Yeah, as those movies tend to be. But uh, that's okay. It's it's exciting, and we haven't heard obviously with Jen just now kind of rolling this forward. I know in the past people have said Kellen Lutz; they want him to be the the part of he-man slash prince adam so i guess uh we'll be looking forward as as this rolls forward into maybe some casting news coming up yeah i mean i'm sh- I'm sure they're gonna they want to get off the ground as, as soon as they can and, and the fact that they got a directing um team on board is a good sign that everything's going to be moving forward and i'm sure we'll get some casting news probably right around july and then the other one that made me very happy, Mask, Mobile Armored Strike Command, one of my very favorite 80s TV uh, shows. I had all the toys, Boulder Hill playsets, uh, and that kind of got a little bit of an announcement here this same week. Yeah, so F. Gary Gray is going to direct uh, Mask. Um, he's a pretty, pretty good director. 
uh, it'll be interesting again to see how that one comes together because I'm sure they're going to want to try to build uh, a cinematic universe of some kind uh, with that franchise. Yeah. Um, so it'll it'll yeah it'll be another one that we'll kind of keep our eye on and and see what comes of it. But it's another movie that's been in development for a long time. Something they've been trying to do kind of since Transformers is get those other kind of toy lines off the line and. And the really one, the only other one that's been successful moderately is, I guess, been Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So yeah, you're gonna start seeing a lot more uh, these uh, these toy franchises start to start start to gearing up. And then Fran- uh, Transformers is gonna get kind of its own reboot and stuff coming up here real real soon. Bumblebee is out this summer, and that'll be kind of the last of the old guard Transformer films. And then we're gonna get some some new stuff from them. And these 80s, I know we had way, way back, like our first year broadcast, we had Chris Ryle, who was the head of IDW Comics. They had that big revolution crossover as that Hasbro toy line mask versus G.I. Joe versus Transformers versus Micronauts. And that's, from what I understood back then, kind of where they wanted to go with kind of like a combined cinematic universe. So I'm assuming if Mask does well, I'm assuming the next step would be Transformers reboot. And then maybe, I'm not sure, would they reboot G.I. Joe at this point? Because those films were uh, okay, but yeah. not... So what, I'm, so what I'm hearing is that they've hired a writer's room, uh, a literal writer's room for, for their own kind of cinematic universe. And that's, that's the kind of plan moving forward is to start bringing all these things in. You got to have a G.I. Joe, Mask, Transformers kind of uh, crossover um, and yeah, and see how that goes. Because I mean, as once Infinity War comes out and makes uh, $1.8 billion um, on Friday, I think that's what they're estimating just on Friday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, so that's how it's going to be going that it's going to be a money machine. So everyone's going to go for their cinematic universe and we'll see how dark universe already failed. So that was one that we've already seen bite the dust and it'll be interesting to see if anybody else can kind of replicate uh, what Marvel's doing right now. That's sad because I know uh, I actually enjoyed The Mummy. I was in that in that small cast of people who got excited with, oh, that, that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I liked the, the crossover idea. I'm just so sad that that wasn't executed as well as it could have been. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they had a stellar kind of like cast built around that whole cinematic universe. I mean, it was a, literally the all-star team of kind of... Uh, I mean, if you want to say 80s, even 80s and 90s actors, and uh, so I mean, it was really kind of a disappointment to kind of see that stuff crumble, especially with a name like Tom Cruise kind of leading the charge. But I, I guarantee you, once these actors start, these those types of actors start seeing what Josh Brolin's going to do with Thanos, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, I think they'll be more likely to come on board to these comic book movies. Let's hope so. And uh, while we're on the topic, let's go ahead and chat a little bit about uh, Infinity War, uh, since we're still talking movies. And uh, that's um, I'm a little disappointed. Max and I were just talking about this. They do these Disney is doing these screenings now at like 12 noon and one o'clock. So those of us who have a day job have a trouble making it to these screenings. But uh, I I think this is going to be a hard movie to top financially. uh, Black Panther did so well. But I think uh, if, if anything's going to beat it, uh, it might be Infinity War. Well, its pre-sale tickets have already uh, blown out Black Panther out of the water. So that's a pretty good indication. Yeah. Um, in fact, their pre-sale tickets are more than all of the other MCU movies combined. Hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, pretty telling. It's, I think it's been the biggest pre-sale ever in the history of uh, pre-sales, maybe besides one of the Star Wars movies. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think this will be the highest grossing movie ever. Uh, especially if it's good. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a chance that it could be bad, but I think that's something they've been working on, and I think they know kind of how they're going with this thing and and what it's going to do to the franchise moving forward and the impact it's going to have. 
and I think it's really going to do some crazy numbers. And I would not be suffice to say if it was all said and done that it, it got as close to two billion as possible. I would I would not be surprised at all. We're going to take our next break. Casey, you're okay to hang with us through a break, right? Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our next break. We're going to come right back talking more about the world of geek with Casey Walsh from the Geeks Worldwide. Stand by. Hi, this is Shannon Farnan, the original voice of Wonder Woman, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back talking all things geek with Casey Walsh from the Geeks Worldwide. We were just talking about movies, all the reboots and everything. This segment brought to you by Tenacious Eats. Speaking of movies, if you're a movie fan, if you're a foodie as well, then Chef Liz, uh, you want to be at one of her Tenacious Eats events. She'll take a movie. She'll pair it with a five-course meal, specialty cocktails galore, and you will never, ever have a bad time at one of these Tenacious Eats events. They've got uh, great staff. They've got, they pick these movies and they pair each course brilliantly so it corresponds and she'll come out and explain each course so you know what you're eating. And some of the stuff sounds like stuff you've probably never tried before. And that's good. Get you out of your comfort zone. And plus, I've tried stuff there that I didn't think I'd like. And it is always, always, always amazing. She's a renowned chef and she knows her movies better than just about anybody I can think of. You want to make sure to check out these events. Go to tenaciouseats.com. You can also follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Tenacious Eats and her next event coming up. If you didn't get your invite, uh, invite to the royal wedding, well, she has a menu planned for that. Uh, it starts a little early, obviously, because of the time difference, but that's May 19th coming up, and that's located at 354 North Boyle. You can get your tickets now. You get a complimentary mimosa, and there's all sorts of uh, fancy and proper English brunch you'll be served as you watch the royal wedding. So check that out. TenaciousEats.com is the website. You can get your tickets at brownpapertickets.com. Just type in Tenacious Eats for the event. Uh, Casey, we were talking about Infinity War before we went to break, and I know I put that article out to you. You asked for uh, uh, asked if I'd write up an article about the top five Thanos stories you must read before Infinity War, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you about my list. Were there any that you disagreed with or thought, uh, thought I should have included something else? Feel free to, feel free to yeah. have at me on air. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I think you are definitely spot on. Uh, uh, maybe would have added uh, some like Thanos rising, just some uh, stuff to go through his origin story a little bit. Um, or maybe that's wait. That, I'm sorry. I think that's the book that's coming out. No, I think you got it. You, you nailed it. Uh, uh, and look, and and I couldn't have asked for a better person to take on that 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 article. I really enjoyed reading it, and I do encourage everyone to go to the gww.com and check out James's article. Um, if you're looking to get into comics and want to check out something before Infinity War. I mean, the number one is you got to read Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, yes. And, I, and you may be spoiling the movie for yourself a little bit, but it's totally worth it. And it's one of the greatest comics of, of all time. Yeah, that's actually the big event that I think kind of brought me on to Marvel full. Because I, I started out with the Acts of Vengeance was my first company-wide crossover with Marvel back when I first started reading comics. And uh, Infinity War was the one that I got most excited about. And I was going to the store and I'm, I'm buying Cloak and Dagger for crying out loud because it crossed over <laughs> with Infinity War. Uh, but that, or, I'm sorry, Infinity Gauntlet. But that was just such, uh, I, I think probably still to this day, one of their best crossovers they've ever done if I had to pick a top five Marvel crossovers. 
Yeah, I, I mean, oh, there's another article idea. I think, uh, I think that it, I think it is their best crossover. I think it's something that really kind of uh, culminated in this uh, idea that a villain could be uh, the, could could win, and that's kind of the idea of Marvel. And kind of what separates them from DC is that the bad guy does kind of always win, um, and and everything's kind of flawed and broken. And and Infinity War does a great job of kind of explaining that and saying, hey, look at in this universe, this this guy is the biggest and the best, and he's not a good guy. And he never will be. Um, so it's a really, it's a really awesome book, and the art's fantastic. And Jim Starlin, and it's his best work um, ever. So I, I really encourage everyone to go check it out. And with uh, the Geeks Worldwide running that website, you, you guys don't just do. In case someone's listening, like, well, they just talk comics, and movies. You guys do video games. You guys do TV episodes. You guys do a little bit of everything. Uh, what else is at the top of your guys' radar right now? Uh, <laughs> uh, personally, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of toys. Uh, uh, there's been a couple great comic events and with Infinity War coming out, I mean, the, the toy companies are going nuts and they're putting out some, some awesome stuff. Um, there, there's some great shows on the horizon. Like I said, if you're not watching, uh, Legion season two, yeah. Krypton, um, and we just maybe got, uh, are getting some, another Marvel show on Netflix. We're going to take a look at very, very, very soon. Uh, so we're getting kind of pumped up for that, but it's summertime. So we're just kind of, Eyes forward and looking forward to the movies. Deadpool 2 is on the horizon. Han yes. Solo. Um, so we're all looking forward to those. By the way, those will all be 10 a.m. screenings too, James. I know, uh, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, like I said, we're seeing uh, Infinity War on Tuesday. Um, so we're kind of just getting primed for that, and, and everyone's getting really excited around here. We're kind of just because after that, it's going to be, we're going to need a week to just kind of decompress, I think. Oh, I know. And I know with uh, you mentioned Marvel Netflix, uh, I know you guys got the screeners already for Luke Cage season two. Obviously, without spoiling anything, first of all, have you had a chance to see them yourself? And if so, uh, what's kind of the feel now that we're coming out of Defenders? I haven't had a chance yet. I haven't had a chance to check them out. Uh, like they're still on their way. They have to. There's a process they have to go through before we actually get them. Um, but yeah, they they're sending them out uh, any day now. Uh, we just signed the embargo paper, um, so they're coming. Uh, but yeah, I did. I, don't, I think it's going to be the same thing as Jessica Jones. I mean, I don't think they're really going to touch on the defenders too much. I do think uh, we'll see Danny Rand for sure, for sure show up, and they'll kind of start to move towards a Heroes for Hire show. Because I, I really do think that I don't think Luke Cage or Iron Fist can sustain uh, three seasons of of show. So I think uh, moving them, starting to like bring them together more, will uh, will kind of cement the fact that hey, we're going to do a Heroes for Hire show. Um, and yeah, I think we're really, I think we're going to get another couple of uh, show announcements for for Netflix here at, at San Diego Comic Con, and uh, fingers crossed, one of them is a, a Moon Knight show. Yes, that'd be awesome. Actual like Ghost Rider. I think Agents of Shield handled Ghost Rider um, really well. Yeah, that was really well done. Agents of Shield too. I know people are wondering. I think that's is that still in limbo because I've heard like, oh, this might they might not bring it back for another season. I'm still three episodes behind in my DVR, so I'm not sure how it ended where they left it. Uh, have you heard anything about the status for Agents of Shield? Yeah, the rumor is it's uh, it is coming back, but that has not been confirmed by any means uh, whatsoever. Uh, there was like a rumor circling by one I think outlet that said, hey, we heard it's coming back. Um, they it this they went into this season thinking it was their final season and they wrote it that way. So uh, I will we'll see if they actually what happens uh, at the upfronts and if it does come back and and if we'll see another Agents of Shield. I suspect that we won't, but I I, I would totally be okay with being wrong. 
Yeah, no, that's that's such a good show. And I know when they first announced it, I guess almost five years ago now, I was like, well, this this probably might last one season. I didn't think it would go as well as it did. But like you said, what they did with the uh, the Darkhold book and they brought the LD or LMDs in and Ghost Rider was just it's been such a phenomenally well done show and it really exceeded my expectations. So I'd love to get another season out of it. Yeah, I, like I said, I think Infinity War it depends on how that does and how that changes everything. Because I mean, I mean, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. If you read the comic book and you know there's a scene in that that happens, um, that could potentially be how this movie ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's a big question mark on moving forward and what that looks like for for the MCU because we did find out that Ant Man and the Wasp takes place before Infinity War. Oh, okay. Um, and so Captain Marvel also takes place before Infinity War. Um, so, and, and Avengers 2 will tie, I guarantee you, will tie directly back into Infinity War. So, or Avengers 4, I'm sorry, whatever they're going to call that movie. But we, I mean, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes up. Because, I mean, we could potentially see a, a whole giant shift for the MCU, which they've been teasing in all their press junkets and stuff. And I'm assuming, I think uh, Josh Brolin may have accidentally tweeted out a little bit of a spoiler when he said something about it was great to be there on set with, you know, he lists uh, Chris Pratt and somebody, he said Brie. So I guess we might get Brie Alexander, Captain Marvel, at least a cameo in Avengers Infinity War. Well, I don't want to kill anybody's buzz here, but uh, so she did film scenes for Infinity War, but it sounds like they just decided not to put her in that, put it in, put her uh. in it, and they're going to her for Avengers 4. So, yeah, she was on set and did film scenes. And let's not let's also remember, they filmed these movies back to back. Yeah. Uh, so so they, they literally filmed both the movies at the same time. So, I mean, Thanos will definitely play a role in Avengers 4. And like I said, it'll be interesting to see how we get there because uh, there's no telling. And Marvel's done a great job of hiding things in those trailers. I mean, if you look at those trailers and all those TV spots, they're the same shots over and over again. They're not really showing anything else. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And again, if you're uh, seeing that movie, go check it out in a Marcus Theater. Make sure you go to MarcusTheaters.com to get your tickets for Avengers Infinity War. Casey, let everybody know where they can find you guys on the Internet. You can find us at thegww.com and at the underscore GWW on Twitter. And make sure you check us out on Tuesday at 3 p.m. for our review of Avengers Infinity War. Fantastic. Casey, thanks so much for being on air. We always appreciate it. Thank you so much, James. I always love coming on. Thank you. Take care. There he goes. Casey Walsh from Geeks Worldwide. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. So stand by. Hey, hi, listeners. This is Greg Berger. Meet Grimlock, Dinobot leader from Transformers. And guess what? You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Transformers. As I mentioned in that last segment, I'm an 80s junkie. Uh, one of the things I was so disappointed with, though, as an 80s junkie, when they announced a Transformers movie, I was a little apprehensive. I'm like, ooh, that's probably not going to be good. And I hate to be right all the time, but, man, I, I was pretty spot on. That was just just an awful franchise. Um, I suffered through the first one on DVD because a friend of mine was like, you like Transformers? Sure, yeah, you'll like this movie. And I sat through and watched it, and it was just two hours of my life I'll never get back. Um, I don't think I saw another movie until The Last Night, which was the last Transformers movie out. 
and it it had gotten no better. Um, and I know Max, uh, Max and Movies now were talking, and you said that the two that I saw weren't even the worst of the franchise. Yeah, that uh, distinction goes to Revenge of the Fallen, which is the second movie, which is just the low point for a very bad franchise. I mean, they've all been bad. Let's not split hairs here. There's not a single good one. And I'm shocked that uh, now we're getting spinoffs. We're getting a whole new universe. I don't get it. I'm not holding out much hope for the Bumblebee movie. I don't see that no. being, I mean, did he get his voice box back? I can't even remember. Apparently, it's like a soft reboot. Like, they're not even going it, to, it's, it's, it's something where it'll be before the Transformers film. So it's a prequel. It's an 80s prequel. That's right, because he's still got the Volkswagen form. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? If they can get Dan Gildazan to come back and do the voice from the original cartoon, maybe I'll be behind it. Uh, but I don't think that probably happened. Peter Cullen didn't really help. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Oh. Peter Cullen, another guest. If you're listening, Peter Cullen, I'd love to have you on the show sometime. Please feel free to uh, DM me or uh, message me or email me. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the idea Casey was mentioning about the cinematic or the cinematic combined universe for the Hasbro toys mask. And Micronauts, because the comic books, if you're not, if you're out there and you're, you're reading comic books and you're looking for something new you haven't read, Revolution from IDW came out, gosh, almost a year and a half ago now, because uh, we had Chris Ryle, the head of IDW Comics, on one of our first uh, comic book guests, and he was the CEO talking about this crossover event, and I loved it. It's Mask versus Transformers versus G.I. Joe versus Micronauts. It was, uh, and they've got another series out. IDW is doing all these crossovers, Visionaries versus Transformers. So if you're an 80s fan like me and you played with all these toys, it's like reliving your childhood. You're flipping through the comic book page and reading all this cool stuff. Uh, the Visionaries world has been destroyed, and they're now been taken in as refugees on Cybertron, and it's causing some conflict. So uh, I did IDW, I'm not sure how they're getting all these 80s properties, but thank you for doing it because I, I love reading these comics every week. And uh, if you're an 80s fan, you'll definitely want to check out those and keep those on your radar. Uh, this segment brought to you by Popcorn Buddha. Popcorn Buddha USA is the website for all your snacking needs. They've got some Mother's Day flavors. Mother's Day coming right around the corner. If you haven't gotten your mom something and you don't want to get her just the usual bric-a-brac or some flowers that she's going to throw away after a week, well, she's got some uh, fantastic flavor options on the Popcorn Buddha website. Blueberry cheesecake, cherry cheesecake, raspberry cheesecake, and strawberry cheesecake. I've not had a bad flavor at Popcorn Buddha USA dot com yet so i don't think you will not enjoy any of these flavors and if you enter the coupon code geek g-e-e-k during checkout you'll get 15 percent off of your subtotal check them out popcornbootusa.com that's wrapping it up for us so until next week my friends it's not in the way you watch i sound be it's not in the way you watch the flash it's not Snake Mountain, good night.